0: don't shoot the deputies hello and welcome to don't shoot the deputies a podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country hey steve how are we doing back in the swing of things now that the children are back my name is russell
1: it's great to be on the podcast again yes a first week back who would have thought we'd have got to march the 8th after a lot of planning i think it's fair to say seeing every child come through the gate with a smile on their face just made All the panic, all the anxiety, actually worth it. And it was brilliant to be back. And we're now settling into routines. Personally, my school's had a fantastic week in terms of what we've been teaching and delivering. We really had a good focus on Rain Before Rainbows by Smurthy Halls and David Litchfield. Mm. The the work our children produce across this week. Poetry that will make you cry because it's so emotionally in touch with the situation we're going through. But it was just a joy to see everyone... Everyone gets a Friday, still standing and ready for next week. How about you, mate?
0: Oh, that's brilliant, Stephen. We've also used Rain Before Rainbows. Top book for all of you listening. If you haven't read it before by Smriti Halls and our favourite illustrator, David Litchfield, give it a read. It's all about hope in these tricky times. Um, and we did do a podcast with David Litchfield where he spoke about that book yeah it's been lovely steve and and you you mentioned smiles and that's been what's lifted me this week being out on my duty in the morning and not just seeing the same seven or eight lovely children but seeing dozens and dozens of children coming into school saying good morning seeing me and you know i've been doing some tours this week for a couple of teaching posts we've got going and you know just walking around and how friendly the children are and how happy they are to see us yeah it makes being back at work that bit more fulfilling. Nice to be occasionally getting away from that screen again. Absolutely. It's really interesting,
1: actually. Uh, first, the um, key worker children who have been with us throughout the whole pandemic, they felt a little bit protective and say, hey, this is our, this is our school. That's my yeah. but, um, the minute they saw their friends, it just all blended into that perfect scenario of being a school community again. And I've missed so many of those little children that have come through that haven't been in there. You've only been talking to virtually. It's just making the connections again, isn't it? And making it a place to be. And do you know what? All the children, we did some pupil voice this week, and they feel safe.
0: They feel happy. They just feel relieved to be back in the familiar. Absolutely. It's so good to be back. Now, this episode, it's just the two of us, and it's aimed at all of you out there who are looking to secure your first teaching job. We know it's a really anxious time for many trainees, and particularly in the current climate.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a strange time for anyone to start their teaching career, Russell. Uh, But this episode is all about offering you some guidance and support to help you to find that first teaching job and start your career in
0: the best profession there actually is. Absolutely. And Steve, we said that the first thing we really want to talk about is that, you know, try not to be panicked at the moment, because what I'm starting to notice on social media, I don't know whether you've seen it, Steve, is, you know, as a few people start to land their first jobs, you get these wonderful celebratory tweets. <laughs> and good on you guys. If you, you've you got your role already and, and, and you're proud of yourself, please do shout out and be proud of yourself. But I know for others that can be slightly unnerving, Steve. <laughs> you really can.
1: And look, I was there. 10 years ago and you start to see people from uni that you're you're coming in and go oh you've been offered a, a job already you think wow what am I doing have I left it too late what's wrong about my application I haven't had anyone yet and no just just take a breather it all works its way into place anyway and as we're going to talk about it in a minute it's so important to find the right school for you and that you're right for them
0: so don't panic at all. Absolutely. Good advice, Steve. And it's that time of year where, you know, you'll start to see a few ads starting to go up. Some schools just know really early on, my school was in a position where we knew sort of late February that there were a couple of roles that would need advertising for, but very often that is not the case. Normally it's, you know, any time between sort of March and May, it's the end of May that teachers can hand in their notice. So it can be well into May before sort of all the job ads have have sort of started to uh, die out. So you've got plenty of time to find that dream first job. And what we're hoping in this episode is we'll give you lots of sound advice to help you find that right school for you. So, Steve, should we start by thinking about the, you know, doing your research as job ads come up and people start to look at schools? What are some of the things they can look into to find out about a school?
1: Absolutely. I think the first place you go to when you're looking on an application website or, or teaching jobs site is to actually go to the website of the school itself you should find a really good you have an inclination then of what the school is like I know particularly for my own school that that we really thrive off of our own website and we feel that it really does give the the ethos and the vision of our school and we've worked really hard to develop that so straight away when you see a job go through the motions of looking at the website because the the school website will give you a huge amount of information look at the curriculum look at the uh, how they're celebrating successes in the school and look at the staffing, look at all the structures that you want to know about and make sure you do make a few notes along the way because actually that'll be beneficial not just for going for a walk around and making contact with the school but further down the line if you have an interview go back to the first things that you looked at on their website and think why did I write down that what was it about that in particular that stood out for me because you can use that to your advantage now secondly Schools will normally have either a Twitter or a Facebook page. Have a look on there and you might only get limited access to it. But from the engagement in the the posts, you'll know what the school community is like. And again, it all comes down to how does the school interact with the community and vice versa? It's really useful information to to hold on in your armoury. I would also look at an Ofsted report. They're not everything. And they don't always show the picture because they can be a good few years old and therefore Mm. the school has been on a journey. So don't hold it with like righteousness in that must be the school right now. It won't be there. There'll be schools that are in special measures that are no longer working towards it. They just haven't had a new inspection yet. There could be good schools that, have developmental points and sure you can have a look at it it gives you a taste a flavor but it is not the be all and end all they are just useful guidance to know and again it may be that you're looking at thinking about questioning if you were in an interview you might be able to pick up a couple of nuggets from there but do take it with a little pinch of salt and knowing that this may not reflect the current situation of the school
0: Yeah, I think that's really wise advice, Steve. The Ofsted inspection, you know, it tells us something about a school, a snapshot in time. And as you say, it could be really useful information as part of the interview to be able to refer to things and the school's priorities moving forward. And particularly when you're finding out more about the school, how they've actioned, some of the things that might have been picked up on. The last thing, Steve, we thought we'd mention with with research about the school is, you know, your university tutors can sometimes know a lot about schools. Again, take it with a pinch of salt. Anyone's opinion has sort of some bias attached to that but you know I've been showing people around this week and it's been really interesting and I asked people what do you know about our school already and how people will often say things to me like oh I have a link to the community or I know a friend of a friend that works here or I have a link to like the local church and they've talked to me a bit about the school all these different kind of voices give people a, a bit of a picture about the school and thankfully in my case there were lots of positives that came out of that where people actually said I have heard about the school and people have said to me what a friendly place it is or whatever else so sometimes just asking around a bit, seeing what your university tutors know about the school. If you do happen to have a link in the local community, someone you can chat to, that can be really helpful kind of context. But ultimately, Steve, people need to make their own mind up about a school. And one of the key ways to do that is to actually make contact, isn't it, with the school itself and uh, sort of find out for yourself a bit more. So should we talk a bit about that whole process of making contact with the school, maybe visiting, depending on what the school doing with kind of COVID, you know, procedures and so on. And I think the first thing to say, Steve, there is that the second, the second you make contact, Mm. your interview has begun, hasn't it?
1: It really has, yes. No matter who you're talking to, it could be the office manager, the business manager, the family liaison officer, whoever you talk to in that first call, that's when you start setting your impression as to who you are. And therefore you want to be as personal and professional as you can be and establishing a a contact link because you will no doubt uh, if you're allowed to go to the school at the moment during COVID times for a tour you may see that person but people talk in the schools, so make sure you get off to a really good start be polite professional and and engage in that phone call and and I, I know as a deputy head teacher I talk very closely to both my office manager and business manager because they're I like to involve as many people in the interview process as possible and therefore conversations between you. So, Oh, that they will come to me and say, someone's just phoned up. They're, they're asking if you can get back to them. And I say, okay, what were they like? And I get a brief snapshot, really brief, no judgments formed there and then, but it all adds into the flavor of who you are. Mm, so mm. do make sure you you're very prepared for that initial phone call. But, um, Russell, what other, in terms of making contact, what, what do you look for and what ways can people do this?
0: Yeah, well, you 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 might make a phone call and I do recommend a phone call where possible to speak to someone in person. But the job ad might have said to uh, arrange a visit, email this contact, which will often be someone like the school business manager or a senior leader. So when you make that contact, you know, straight away, as Steve said, you're making an impression. So emails should be written politely and professionally. It's amazing what tone can come across in an email straight away. Where possible, use names. So if it says in the job ad to arrange a visit, contact Alison Smith, then direct it to Alison Smith. Don't say to whom it may concern, you know, use personal Mm. names where possible because you're showing an attention to detail in your kind of research and so on. It's just that kind of more personable style that will straight away make a positive impression. But that leads me to the point, Steve, about a visit or making contact. And and every school will vary at the moment into what they're doing. I know some are doing virtual tours and so on, but if you can make a visit to a school, Steve, why do you think that is such an important part of the process? that you actually go and visit or you meet or talk to someone that's working in the school
1: oh if you can do it, it is literally the most important part you can do because a website can sell you what it wants and and we all know websites that they can be tailored and they're probably naturally it's not even bias it's just we're we're giving the best of us so if you can Hmm. get in the building particularly and this could be tricky at the moment with COVID times but particularly if children are in the building at the same time Mm. you will you will walk through those doors you will meet people and you'll feel an impression of how you're greeted you will look at how the school is in action and it is live and you get that aura and that that sense of what the school is like when you would be working there and that is so important because mm. you want to get a natural flavor of the school you don't want to enhanced by anything you and don't let people's opinions therefore influence you you go in open-minded and you meet people and you 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 fill the school and I know when I was an NQT I went to look around a few schools and There was a couple that I actually opted against applying for. And I thought, well, initially I wanted to kind of look there because I was interested in that position and the website, et cetera. And the the first phone call made me feel really positive. But actually I walked away thinking that's possibly not the right school for me. And the school I'm in now, I still remember my first visit and contact with the school. I was running late. I thought I could park somewhere I couldn't. So then I was panicking, but <laughs> uh, there was a massive group of people. And sometimes you'll get, um, you go to, on a visit where it's one-to-one. Other times you'll be part of a large group. It, it can all fluctuate. And, and again, particularly at the moment with COVID times, this is quite unstable as to how you know if you can do a visit. But I jumped in there, I was late. The head teacher pointed me out for being late straight away. And I was like, I'm so sorry, I, I couldn't find a place to park. But after that, It was establishing relationships and and walking around it. And it depends how detailed your tour is. If it feels rushed, then that school may not always be the best place for you. But if you've been given time and respect and interest, then again, that's for you. You you can build up a a picture as to if you feel that school is right for you. (laughs) But Russ, just before we move on, I do want to know what you think about contact visits. Just going back to emails, if you do write an email, please make sure your email address that you send it from is of a professional type because i know i've had a few um cvs come in and you think mm. oh it's a great it does make you chuckle at times when you get like babycakes 84 at hotmail.com or or mr muscle i remember having mr muscles once for a yeah, uh, and it, it does make you chuckle if you can. If you yeah, but Steve, Steve, <laughs>
0: I changed that email. Now, so, <laughs> so I'm bringing it back up. I got it. Baby cakes was just what <laughs> Mum used to call me. But that is a good point, and we will Google your name. Just know that you know leaders will yeah. Google your name because you know social media and things do give you an insight. I mean, not extensively. I haven't got that much time on my hands. <laughs> no. You know, particularly if you've done a tour or whatever, you've met someone. Sometimes you just whack it into you and see what comes up. So you know, do have sensible social media sites, and if you've got a personal one that you don't want people looking at, then set that to sort of private. Well, tell us, tell us about this visit though, because you've you've obviously
1: uh, hosted many many visits. Why do you think they are a must?
0: Well I did four tours yesterday for example Steve and I think I think they're a must because you're the you're both interviewing each other at this stage you know the the candidate is coming around and they're deciding is this the right place for me and I think you gave some sound advice about the impression and your gut instinct Steve and you know just like you I've visited schools for various roles even when it's been senior positions and I've gone I just can't see myself here And what you said about them making the time for you and making you feel kind of good and valued and also how well they can talk about their school. You know, I remember when I first moved to Devon and and I went to work at school in Torquay, what really drew me at that time to the head was he could really tell me about his vision for the school and where it was going and the journey they'd been on. And I think that just makes such a good impression on you so that it's that way around. But as for you, the person visiting, I do think there are some very easy wins because, while I try really hard not to judge people quickly, we all have unconscious biases. We all, you know, notice little things about people straight away. So I would say, you know, do come in dressed pretty smartly. You know, I have, had people turn up in trainers and things before and you just think look you, you know you're trying to make a first impression on me and while I do need to look beyond your dress or whatever you know it does send me a bit of a signal as to sort of how you feel about this situation now I'm not saying you have to be completely suited and booted and overly formal you know mm-hmm. we're primary teachers or, or secondary teachers if you're listening to but just looking a bit smart you've taken care that you've you've presented yourself well I do think that's important I think when you arrive You know, a really warm smile, although, you know, hard behind a mask at the moment, but (laughs) a positive (laughs) comment, like, you know, it's really great to meet you or thanks for making the time to, to show me around. It straight away instigates that kind of positive calm rapport and you know you've got to think for a senior leader or a business manager or whoever's showing you around they might have done four others that day so how you make them feel as you walk around with them will really sort of set you in good stead when it comes to the shortlisting process they'll remember you and think oh i really like the way that person came across you know i want to know more about them i think as steve said earlier with the phone call anyone you speak to Is part of that interview most leaders do take the voices of lots of other staff and and people will make comments and say oh she was nice wasn't she or he was friendly so Mm. just just be aware i would say it's been really interesting because some of the tours that i've done have been at the same time you know maybe the cleaners have been going around after school cleaning really interesting which people say hello to the teachers but not the cleaners and which people Mm. are just as friendly to the cleaners who will buy anything oh that just gives me a little insight into kind of what kind of person you are that you value everybody in the organization so just think about that. Are you being friendly to everyone that walks past and saying, hi, nice to see you? It, it, it does give off a really nice impression. And the amount of people that come over after we've given tours and go, oh, they were lovely, weren't they? Then? Mm. They've only
1: met you for five seconds, if that. But just saying hello and giving a smile, albeit behind the mask, it does set up for a, an encouraging start, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely, Steve. And, you know, I I would say as well, back to sort of thinking about you interviewing the school during this time, really be observant if it's during the day about the children. I know it's not always possible to visit during the day, but do if you can. How do the leaders interact with the children when they walk around? Do they ignore them? Do the children you know, rush up because they're so pleased to see the leaders? You know, that gives you an insight into kind of the cultural well-being and the friendliness and and how child centred the place is. And, you know, you're getting a feel for what that might be like as a place to work. So is it is it a happy environment? Is it positive? Can you see yourself there? And I would say really trust your gut, because as Steve said earlier, I've looked at jobs in the past where on paper it seemed perfect for me and I really wanted to love it. And then when I got there, I was really disappointed because it wasn't what I hoped it to be and I, I almost found myself talking myself into still applying when mm. you know sometimes I talk to my wife she's gone what you're saying about that is 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 not giving me a good impression I don't think you should do it and I think listen to that gut And um, one thing Steve that people often say as NQTs or, or students is is I don't actually know what to ask when I go around but I know I'm meant to ask things and we've just got a list Steve, haven't we, we have a few things that you can ask easy questions about shall I start off with one or two Steve yeah go for it Russell so one thing that's really worth asking about, particularly in the climate at the moment where loads of schools have worked on their curriculum is ask them about their curriculum. You know, say, so tell me a bit about your, your curriculum. That's such an open question. It'd be interesting to see what the leaders say in response. They might say, oh yeah, we've been working really hard on this for the last year. We have a thematic approach. We have a subject discipline approach. You'll get a bit of an insight into what the curriculum's like. Is it all left to you? And that's actually really important as a someone about to qualify do you want to be inventing a curriculum while you're teaching or do they have something really good in place that's going to support you to kind of not have to worry about inventing a curriculum while teaching as well i'd also ask about their assessment systems not that you have to know about every assessment system but what do they do you know if they tell you they test kids three times a half term and (laughs) and they do (laughs) enormous tick sheets every in every foundation subject and so on, you might go, hmm, is that right for me? Mm-hmm. I'll do one more, Steve, and then I'll pass back to you. I would definitely ask about their approaches to behaviour. You know, if you're passionate about a positive behaviour approach and inclusive school, and they don't talk about those things, and they talk only about how we punish children or the consequences, or they have a system that you just think, oh, I couldn't see myself delivering that, that's a little bit of an alarm bell just to think about whether that's a place for you, because there's nothing worse than being in a school where... Their ethos and what they do jars with you personally. You really don't want that because that 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 leads to an you know an unhappy job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And following on from that, Russell, there are three things I think are really important that you could ask questions about, which come down to the leadership of the school, support that's in place at the school, and your aims, plans, and vision of the school driving forward. Because you're mm. going to be joining the school whether they could be at the beginning of a journey, halfway through it towards the end of a little cycle, but but knowing what's coming next whilst you're there and how you can be part of that vision going forward and the plans, it's important that you know that because like you say, it might not sit with where you're aligned to. So and you, mm. people need to be really brave. Just because you've visited a school doesn't mean you have to apply for that school. So you have to go with your gut and think, is that one right? Yes or no? Because if it's not, There'll be loads of other schools that do come up afterwards and except for this time of the year. So you don't feel like rushed into saying, oh, I've been there today. I must apply for that role. So another thing you might want to think about is CPD in the school. And what is in place in terms of, is it a school that actively promotes CPD or is it very much left to your own devices? Because as an NQT, you're going to want to feel supported. You're going to want to have a support plan around you to develop yourself. The first year is vital in supporting supporting you and you getting the most out of your school, your NQT time. So really do ask questions about CPD and what support is in place, because
0: that's where you'll get the most out of your first year in school. Brilliant. And then the last thing I think we'll say about visits, guys, is, be yourself you know there's nothing worse than being something you're not and then feeling like you've got to hold up this kind of false image you know you want to be wanted for the teacher and the person you are and you know I remember when I went for the deputy role that I'm in now going there being myself completely authentically and then wanting then me meant that when I turned up for my first day of work there was no pretense i just was being the person i was and i think that's why i'm so happy in the role i am now because i've been myself from the start so it's really important and it's infectious you know when you meet someone mm. that's comfortable with their own skin i know you're bound to be nervous but if you're comfortable in your own skin you're quietly confident not cocky uh, then that can really come across well on a visit so steve should we go on to uh thinking about the application imagine you've seen that school that you're happy with and now it's time to apply i think we've just got some straight up do's and don'ts for this one haven't we steve
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just going to run through them all with very little to say because we've kind of covered it previously. But close so, so and don't, don't send your application before making personal contact with the school. Just don't do it. You want to be known before you send in that application. Otherwise, it will seem like a, a shotgun application that's been fired out to all schools. So mm. don't send the application before making personal contact. Don't get the school name wrong please, please, please make sure you've pro- proofread your application and that the school name is correct. If it's a community primary school, make sure that's in there. Don't call it an academy when it's not. Don't Spelling mistakes on the school name will just alarm bells will ring for the person that's reading your application. And it can be as easy as, no, we don't want that think,
0: I think it's important, Steve, that people visualise what the process is like for senior leaders. So we're, we're in the midst of a process at the moment. And on Monday and Tuesday, you know, Closing date's going to close on Monday. We'll start shortlisting on Tuesday. Now, we might have 50-odd applications, Mm. so that is quite hard work. And while we will respect and value every single application that comes in, sometimes you need to whittle it down quite quickly because leader's time is precious. If there are things like the incorrect spelling or silly mistakes about the school – then that's going to be straight into the no pile. That's going to be an easy way for the leaders to start narrow it down. So don't sort of knock yourself off the pile straight away by making silly errors. It shows a lack of attention to detail. And the message they get is they'll be like that in the classroom. But that thing that Steve said about don't send it before meeting the school, you know, I want to know you're desperate to work at my school because of something about my school, not because you're desperate for a job, you know, or because it's a nice location. I need to know why it is that you can see yourself at our school and that's that's really important and i think steve followed on from that if you visited or you phoned if you're looking at a relocation or something because obviously that's not always easy to visit if you're relocating across the country do personalize your application to what you do know about the school so if you're relocating at least to what you could find out through social media or any phone calls and if you visited i mean i've i'm really kind of touched by it when i see that people have remembered things we've told them on the tour about the school and they've referred mm. to that it shows that they really listened and that they've really you know there was something about what we said that made them really want to work here don't you think
1: absolutely yeah that makes you stand out from the crowd if you can revert back to on this visit uh, or or Looking on the website, this is what I saw, and it really stood out for me because this is an ethos that's in touch with me. And just going back, Russell, um, capitalization of the school name. That's something we yeah. <laughs> <three. laughs> have your own name. so Because when it's a, an online form, you can easily miss out a capital letter on it. So do check that. Also, in that regard, don't make a single grammar or spelling mistake. Mm. Luckily, they're online. We have the ability to use a spell checker and a grammar checker. Do make sure you do that and uh Russell, I know you've got a pet peeve with practice and practice.
0: Oh, that? got to deal with this. <laughs> got to deal with this now. But to be fair, even experienced teachers do this. So, practice with a C is a noun. So, your teaching <laughs> practice that you went on has a C, and practice with an S is a verb. Yeah. If you practice something simple as that, <laughs> uh, if, if you get that wrong, I'm already worried about your ability to teach year three, you know, grammar or something. So, just think about the fact that, you know, your standards of literacy need to be good to be a teacher um I, I know that sounds really patronizing i'm sorry if it does but this comes from the experience of reading really many applications where i think you know my school priority is writing so if i've got an adult that is writing an application i don't think is punctuated correctly i'm thinking well how are they going to help raise standards in literacy in my school if they can't do that so you know we all have strengths and weaknesses and some people will be stronger in maybe the math side to the english but you know you've got to pay attention to it you're a teacher you've got to take pride in your own writing and literacy skills so you know and get someone else to look over it as well if you need to i think that's you know there's nothing wrong with that at all um steve the other thing we we're talking about tailoring it to the school tailor it to the job advert as well so mm. you know you know, the school drops hints about themselves in that job ad. So we have this lovely line where we say we want people with a strong, a strong moral compass. And we put that in there because we are a school in a tricky area at times. And, and and you know, we need teachers that are compelled to really make a difference. So if people then refer to that about themselves and why they're motivated and to, to do the right thing and that they've got good kind of ethics and they've got good morals about or why they do the work that they do it just yeah it just shows they're saying look at me i fit With you Uh, it's just such a simple thing to do but it makes such a difference you know we want to know how your values fit with the school's values that's really important because we're not only thinking about can you stand in front of a class and teach we're thinking are you going to get on well with the other staff members are you someone that's a good communicator and warm and polite are you going to be someone that is easy to lead or are you going to be a nightmare who i'm constantly having to rein in (laughs) because you want to do your own thing really important that you 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 show how you can fit into that picture of that school and Steve slightly different point is you know even as a NQT or student teacher you're going to have areas of specialism and yeah tell us about those don't you think it's nice to know if someone's got a particular passion in a certain subject or they've specialized in something during their training
1: absolutely and it can just be one thing that the school has always wanted to work on Mm. I can think in our school we we always wanted someone who had a real enthusiasm for drama everyone's got something you've got, everyone has been raised and has experienced clubs and and leading at events etc sell yourself in that regard and you never know what the school's looking for so make sure you sell it about yourself because connections can be made there and honestly when people come to technology in schools at the moment that's always a string to your bow so make sure you do sell yourself and mention them don't leave out anything that adds value to you as a person joining that school
0: Yeah. And then the last couple of points about the application, folks, that we'll say is, you know, I want to know that you're well read and you're evidence informed as a teacher. You know, you're straight out of college. You should be sharp and on the ball about the latest research. So things like cognitive science, you need to have an understanding of memory, working memory show that you are aware of the most up-to-date research about how children learn you know I I worry sometimes when I still see some real kind of um, myths of education in applications people talk about learning styles you know which has been completely debunked by by evidence so really do make sure you're well read and and your application reflects your most up-to-date knowledge and the last thing I just want to say about applications is just watch the length if I'm reading 50 in a day I don't want to read four pages I don't need to know everything about your life story while you will tell a bit of a story about your training and your experience there's something about cutting out the waffle so write everything you want to so plan your key points write everything you want to and then cut you know cut it out cut anything in there out that doesn't add an impact to why you need to work in our school so steve let's imagine they've nailed the application they were great on the tour and thankfully they've been asked for interview there's no way we can talk about every interview going so let's just focus on the fact that there'll always be some teaching in some form even in covid times um even if it's over zoom or something strange and there'll be an interview a formal interview with you know, with the senior leaders, normally the head, sometimes with the deputy as well. Let's just talk about that kind of day, the interview day, because people get terrified when they're finally invited for interview and nerves are really normal, aren't they? Do you want to start us off? What are some of the things we can do to make that day go as well as possible?
1: Get the day right. Put it in your diary, know what day you're actually attending, and read the information about the day very carefully. Look at your arrival time, look at what's expected of you in that interview. If it's a Zoom interview, make sure you've got Zoom links that can work and you're all set up virtually. You've got a webcam and a microphone because you want it all to all go smoothly. But make sure you read the information about the day itself so carefully. You want to make sure there's nothing left to chance there. My next point would always be that you've got a letter through saying you're welcome to interview and celebrate that. That's amazing. Really important. Don't forget to make contact with the school then to A, confirm your attendance and B, ask any supplementary questions that you may have. That's your opportunity right there. Think about it. If you are, are asked to teach, always ask questions about the mix and the makeup of the class that you're going to be teaching. You can do that. Just because they say it's a year-free lesson, find out a little bit more about it. You're, you're not out of your way or wrong to do that. So mm. make sure you do. And clarify any other details. Check where to park <laughs> after my, <laughs> after my, my palaver in my NQT. Uh, look, parking will just stress you out. If you're driving around, you've got five minutes to go and you can't find somewhere. It's a natural question Say where can, where do I arrive? Where do I go in? I personally tend to do a, a trial run before I go to any school. So I like to know where I'm going, plan my journey, make sure I've mm. got enough time. But contact with the school. And it's just polite as well to say, I can confirm I'm attending at 11.30 in the morning. I look forward to seeing you there. Even if you've got no other supplementary questions, just do that. Again, it's another impression that your communication is strong. And then my last point on this one, turn up on time. (laughs) Don't, Don't get there too early because like Russell said, there could be 50 applications. There could be eight interviews on that day. So don't turn up an hour early because you'll then just be sitting around waiting and at the moment that wouldn't be a great thing to do anyway but also it can kind of throw a timetable for the, the leadership that's working there because if you wake up at this person so don't turn up too early never turn up late just just give yourself 10-15 minutes gap either side so you're not rushing yourself yeah and then obviously when you do turn up you're dressing smart something mm. that you're comfortable in because if you're teaching i don't want to be wearing a, a dinner jacket and feeling really tired and Come on, you're, you're a primary teacher, a secondary teacher. Think about the the dress code that we have in schools, and then just make sure you're comfortable because a comfortable you will just make the whole day flow better. And um, but, Russell, I know you're going to have different piece of advice because the person's turned up, they're on time, they're dressed smart. But what else can you do?
0: Yeah, good tip so far, Steve. I think make sure your resources are impeccably prepared if you are bringing any. And even if that's digital resources, I can remember back in the olden days, my USB stick, I'd emailed my resources to myself at two different email addresses. I had them saved in about four different formats. And I can remember my first ever interview, Steve, feeling really proud of myself for doing that because one of the other candidates hadn't and had saved you know her presentation or a lesson presentation in the wrong format and couldn't open it I can't even imagine the panic and fear she (laughs) felt standing in front of a class and literally not having her slides be able to sort of present themselves so you you can find out from the school if they do use you know smart notebook or whether a powerpoint would be better or whatever but just cover your back why wouldn't you you know it just it's all those things that can alleviate your stress levels and mean that you you can adapt in the moment and if, if I've got a folder with little plastic wallets with any handouts. I've got all of that sort of stuff, having that ready, set out, labelled, organised. Just the things that mean you can be cool as a cucumber because very often, if you're teaching, kids will be sent out for a bit of play for five minutes. You'll be popped in the classroom, possibly with a TA there, and we'll say something about that in a moment. And you'll have like five, 10 minutes max to get yourself settled and ready. So just being organised means that you can do that with a cool, calm head and you can feel ready to go. Now the TA, if you're lucky enough to have one in that, interview lesson with you please communicate with them they are a vital voice and the leaders will ask the ta what happened before the lesson did the teacher give them any instruction did they give them any guidance did they give them a plan that person needs to be given the value they deserve they're a teaching assistant they're an important part of that class so even if you're nervous and flustered make sure you tell them what you'd like them to do be friendly with them ask a bit about them while you're getting set up it can lead such a good impression at the start of that that lesson so that's really important steve uh, anything else about lessons you want to say there steve or should we take it on to the formal interview no i think
1: just knowing that if you're lucky enough to have an adult in there use them wisely mm. engage with them form a little rapport you can do that so quickly just form a rapport letting them know that actually you do know what you're talking about and you, you know the outcomes of your lesson and what you want to get out of a 20 30 minute session yeah, And just keep the communication clear. Don't shy away from the fact that you're asking someone to do something. They're there to help you, and they will. TAs will always be friendly and want you to do well in your lesson and want the class to do well in whatever you're teaching them, so to make use of them. Great. And then we'll go on to the formal interview, Russell. Mm. Um, we're really lucky. There's so much out there. I don't know if you want to start by, by thinking, right, I've got a formal interview. What questions are going to come up?
0: yeah i mean look there's so many example questions online every interview i've done whether it be for an assistant head role deputy head role middle leadership role a teaching role there are example questions and it is really good to just go on there and you know have a little practice at responding to some of those questions you know it sounds stupid but sit and talk to yourself aloud or in the car or whatever it can help you to clarify in your own head what you think about different things and you know when you're asked a question in an interview just take a moment to really reflect on the question if you need clarity say would you mind just reframing that for me or explaining that in a different way that's okay Uh, it's okay if you go a bit blank and you say actually can we come back to that one in a minute I've just gone a bit blank on that that's okay we understand as leaders sometimes people get very nervous in interviews but the key things that I'd boil down to in terms of preparation for a formal interview is obviously in terms of your physical demeanor sit good posture and self-confidence I've had people before who if you wrote a transcript of their answers. You'd say their answers were reasonably good, but they delivered it with such a lack of confidence that I felt nervous about putting them in front of some of our children because I thought actually I'm not sure whether they would manage our children if they're this nervous just talking to me. So make sure you deliver with calm confidence. And I know that's tricky when you're really, really nervous. But yeah, think about why are you a teacher? Have a real clarity of, of vision about why are you a teacher? I want someone to be passionate about this profession. I don't want them to be doing it as a as a fallback i want them to really care about being a teacher Uh, think about examples where you've had an impact even in your training we know you're not going to have as as many examples to talk about as an experienced teacher but think where in your training have you had an impact was there a particular child you supported in a certain way was there a year group you particularly liked and where you made a difference was there some feedback you got from a particular placement that that really lifted you and, and clarified that you were on the right lines feel free to talk about those you're selling yourself and, and and lastly, you know, again, I really want to come back to that point early. I really want to know that you're well read and you're up to date. So refer to anything you've learned about from any of your training sessions at college or any reading you've done, any videos you've watched, any webinars you've you've engaged in. All those things are important. And ultimately, Steve, it comes back to the fact that you need to have been a reflective practitioner. I need to know that you're someone mm. that wants to reflect on your practice and always improve. Uh, people get terribly nervous about the safeguarding scenario, but you will be mm. asked. The safeguarding question, sort of typical ones, are you know a child discloses something, what do you do, sort of thing. The key things to remember is that we reassure children that they've been, you know, really brave in disclosing to us. Remember, it's such a privilege that a child might choose you to say something to that is deeply worrying them. So always reassure the child first and show that your your first interest is their emotional well being. Clearly, we never promise to keep any secrets with children. The key bits that we want to hear as senior leaders is that you will record any information accurately and you'll use the children's words, that you'll use the school system for logging that, which is often CPOMs these days. But there are other systems out there, too, that if there is something very serious, you won't just log it, but you will go and find the designated safeguarding officer or the deputy designated safeguarding officer who's often the deputy head that's the case for me and that you will follow up in person because as a head teacher or a deputy I sometimes check my CPOMs throughout the day but I can suddenly not have seen something quite urgent until later in the day so someone might have needed to come down and tell me that in person or a teaching assistant so that I've seen it and I can act on it because that could have huge repercussions you I might need to call another agency and so on and the other thing remember that is really clear about safeguarding these days is that you can go back and check. In fact, you're encouraged to go back and check if you're unsure about what's been done. Now, it's not that leaders have to tell you everything that's been done about the confidential information, but if you're worried that you've reported something and nothing's changed or or you're not sure the child's interests have been considered, you can go back and check with the leaders as to what's happened, and that's good practice in safeguarding. So, Steve, over to you. Any last little nuggets there? That
1: question will come up. It's a standard question. And having a really comprehensive answer with the clear steps, with the right terminology, designated safeguarding lead uh, or officer. That yeah, you need you need to really make sure you're in touch with this safeguarding notion because it's so important and actually can be the difference between two great candidates giving an outstanding answer and an average answer. Just make sure you have this, and the checking back in is your duty to check. Back in to see mm. what's happened with the safeguarding concern that you've raised to so make sure you do that please take a moment pause the, the podcast write it down because that will come up my my only last couple is during the day if you're fortunate enough for covid rules allow you in the building every conversation counts so every conversation you have with people whether you're sitting in the staff room in a a member of staff just chats to you very casually, and they might ask you about your interests outside of work. Or uh, I know from when I sat on the couch, one of the TAs in my school um, said to me, "Oh, would well, you like football?" Then we got to chatting about football. It sounds so nonchalant and minimal, but actually, it built up rapport and relationships. And and so be warm, be friendly, and, and do take an interest in the people that you talk to during the day. Mm-hmm. Listen to people, and. Be yourself and be natural around people and talk to them and listen to them. Mm. And lastly, within the interview itself, it's okay to then decide the school is not for you. So you've gone through all the hard work, the application, the interview. It may have gone well, but you may just not be feeling it. It's okay to do that. Mm. You're not committed to the job. A standard question at the end will say, if we offered you the job, Would you accept it? It's okay to think, maybe not, maybe. So take your time, consider it, because there'll be a lot of deliberation going on afterwards. And then you can still come to that conclusion that that wasn't the school that you want to work at.
0: Yeah, I know my head teacher, Steve, has told me that she actually had an interview once where she did say you know i've had a really good thing and it's just not right for me and that's a really brave thing to do but it's nothing worse than then finding yourself accepting a job offer in a school actually during the day during the interview things have happened or have been said that have Concerned you and have made you think I don't want to be here. So it does. I don't think that happens very often, but I think it's good to be prepared to say that if 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 you're strongly compelled not to be there. But most students NQTs are probably thinking I'm not turning down a job. It's <laughs> uh, a job. Uh, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. So so let's get to the outcome. You know, uh, sometimes leaders know quite quickly what they're going to do and they can contact you quite quickly. Sometimes poor teachers are waiting right into the evening or sometimes even the next day before they hear back and we know that's excruciating look the outcomes the outcome if it doesn't go right you know we really encourage you to seek feedback i've given a lot of feedback to people in the past and sometimes they've been brilliant candidates they've just not been the right person at that time or someone else just fit a bit better and i was able to give them some feedback about a certain answer or something they did in the day that perhaps worked against them try not to take that personally we're not we're not we're not trying to put you down we're trying to give you helpful feedback that might help you to go on and be more successful in, in future. And I think, you know, just remember you've done enormously well if you've got to interview particularly, you know, schools like if they've whittled it down from 50 applications to eight, and then you've been part of that interview and you've done well, but you've not been chosen on that time, you know, take that as affirmation that you're on the right lines, you're doing really well, but not every interview will go your way. And sometimes it's not that you've done anything wrong. I've said to candidates before, do you know what? You're great. You're amazing. We just, only have one position at the moment and and someone else today just just with a slightly better fit for our school at this time. So it's disappointing. But I think just see those as as an opportunity to grow and learn. Don't you think, Steve?
1: Yeah, I do. And and actually, when you're seeking feedback, if a school doesn't really give you feedback, then they probably weren't the right school for you anyway. Mm. But always see every interview, whether successful or not, they are those opportunities to learn. And they will make you a stronger character and person for the next time so it is disheartening to get get a no but actually you've got to look at the bigger picture and our mantra is always if i wasn't right for the
0: school then maybe it wasn't right for me Brilliant, Steve. And we'll wrap it up there. Good luck to every potential candidate in the months ahead. There's no rush, remember. Uh, We will do some sort of summary of some of our key points that we put out as a freebie on our different platforms. Remember that we have a Facebook group called Make an Impact Education, where we share a lot of documents and resources and things. Please make sure you've joined that group if you haven't already. You can find us on Instagram at Dynamic Depths and the same on Twitter at Dynamic Depths. Please do follow us if you're not already. And look out for lots more tips and advice in the months to come. Steve, great to chat. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Don't shoot the deputy.